Hello, and welcome to the night sky for October. My name is Andrew Jacob, and I'm the Assistant Curator of Astronomy at Sydney Observatory. To make the most of this podcast, you should begin by gathering a few items together. Firstly, you will need a star map. You can download one, a free one, from the Sydney Observatory's website at www.sydneyobservatory.com.au in the monthly Sky Guide section under the Astronomy tab. The star map will show you what stars and constellations are visible in the night sky for October 2014, and I will be referring to that star map during this discussion. As well as the star map, a torch with a red LED, or one covered with a few layers of red cellophane, will be very useful. The red light will allow your eyes to remain dark adapted during the evening, yet still allow you to read your star map. Finally, a pair of binoculars or a small telescope can be very handy. They're not essential to follow this podcast, but they will help you see a few fainter objects and others in more detail. Where I mentioned binoculars during this podcast, you could, of course, also use your telescope. Now that we have our equipment together, we need to know a few directions and also how to measure angles across the sky. You can find the cardinal directions north, south, east and west from a compass app on your mobile device. Or just remember, of course, that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And if the sun is setting at your right shoulder, then you must be facing south. Another useful direction is the zenith. This is the point directly above your head. To find your way around the night sky, it helps to know how to measure angles across it. If you hold out your hand at arm's length and stretch out your little finger and thumb, they span an angle across the sky of about 20 degrees. A fist held out at arm's length makes an angle across the sky of about 10 degrees. I'll be using these measurements during this podcast. So a hand span at arm's length is 20 degrees and a fist about 10 degrees. I will start with discussing the interesting visible stars and constellations in the night sky, and at the end of this podcast, I will add the visible planets and interesting events for October. Let us begin our tour of the night sky by looking towards the south. If you're facing south and you look slightly to the right of south, almost to the southwest, you should be able to see two bright stars, one above the other. If you're in a bright, light-polluted location, such as central Sydney, They may be the only two stars you can see in that direction. Away from the city and other bright lights, they will be the brightest pair of stars you see towards the southwest. These two bright stars, one above the other, are known as the pointers, the two famous pointer stars which help us find the Southern Cross. The Southern Cross is the best-known constellation in the southern skies. On your star map, The two pointers are clearly labelled. The Southern Cross, however, appears as Crux, which is its Latin name. The brighter of the two pointers is called Alpha Centauri. The other one is called Beta Centauri. Alpha Centauri is the third brightest star in the night sky, and Beta Centauri is the tenth brightest star. Alpha Centauri is a very interesting star, Although it looks like a single star to your eye, it is in fact a group of three stars. Two of them are very close together, and the third is too faint to see at all. Through a small telescope, two of the stars 
are visible. Both are very similar in size and colour to our Sun. They're orbiting about each other. The third star is called Proxima Centauri and it is the closest star to the Earth after the Sun. Proxima Centauri is a red dwarf and is only visible through large telescopes. It is believed to be orbiting the first two stars. Proxima Centauri is about 4.2 light-years away, or approximately 42 million million kilometres from us. I mentioned light-years. Let me explain what a light-year is. Light travels incredibly fast, about 300,000 kilometres every second. This means that light can travel approximately 7.5 times around the Earth in just one second. The distances in our Milky Way galaxy and our universe are vast beyond imagining. Light from the sun takes about eight and a half minutes to reach us. The light from the moon takes about one and a quarter seconds to reach us. Light from Proxima Centauri takes 4.2 years to reach us. So we can say Proxima Centauri is about 4.2 light years away. This means that we see the star as it was 4.2 years ago. A light year is simply a distance, and one light year is a distance of about 10 million million kilometres. Now, let's get back to the night sky. We'll return to Alpha Centauri. If you draw an imaginary line downwards from Alpha Centauri, through Beta Centauri, and onward, you will reach the Southern Cross. It's lying on its right-hand side, but otherwise it looks just as it does on the Australian flag. The Southern Cross is very useful, as it can help us find the direction of true south. Hold up your arm and measure the length of the long arm of the cross using two fingers, from the left-hand star of the cross to the right-hand star. Now, measure this distance four times to the left of the cross. The point you end up at is called the South Celestial Pole, the South Pole of the Sky. It's the point in the sky about which all the stars are rotating. But there are no bright stars in this area. It's just an imaginary point in the sky. Now, if you drop a vertical line from the South Celestial Pole straight down to the horizon, you'll find the direction of south on the ground. Here is something interesting you can do if you have a camera that allows you to leave the shutter open. If you take a photograph of the sky to the south, including the South Celestial Pole, and leave your camera shutter open for 10 or more minutes, you'll find beautiful circular star trails in your photograph. Now that we can find the South Celestial Pole using the Southern Cross, take your hand span, which is approximately 20 degrees, another two times, or about 40 degrees, in the same direction beyond the Celestial Pole position. You should come across a fairly bright star in the southeast of the sky. This bright star is called Achenar. Achenar is a hot blue-white star about 144 light-years away from us. It represents the end of the river Eridanus in the sky. Eridanus is the sixth largest of the 88 constellations in the night sky, and it's been associated with the Nile River, among others. If you're in a dark location, well away from city lights, you might have noticed, as you were measuring your hand spans across the sky to Achenar, two faint, fuzzy, cloud-like objects. They're located between the South Celestial Pole and the star Achenar. 
These two hazy clouds are called the Magellanic Clouds. They were first seen by Europeans hundreds of years ago and are named after the explorer Magellan. One of the clouds is slightly larger than the other. This large Magellanic Cloud, which is about 160,000 light years away, is about halfway down to the horizon from Achenar. The small Magellanic Cloud, which is about 200,000 light years away, is just above that. Both clouds are small galaxies that are orbiting our Milky Way galaxy, and they're gradually being torn apart and absorbed into the Milky Way galaxy. If you have binoculars, take a look at the small Magellanic Cloud. You are seeing stars whose light has taken 200,000 years to reach you. Just above the cloud, with your binoculars, you should see a small, fuzzy, star-like object. In fact, this is not a star, it's a globular cluster, a ball-shaped group of several hundred thousand very ancient stars. This one is called 47 Tucanae. It's about 16,000 light-years away, barely a tenth of the way towards the small Magellanic Cloud, but it's still far beyond our solar system. Let's turn to the west now. If you're facing due west, hold out your arm and measure two handspans, or 40 degrees, above the western horizon. You should reach a bright orange-coloured star, perhaps twinkling away due to the effects of Earth's atmosphere. If you're using your star map, hold it up in front of you, rotate it so that the horizon labelled west is at the bottom. This will orient the map to match the western sky in front of you. Now, I remember having great trouble seeing colours in stars when I first began looking at the sky. So if you don't see the orange colour tonight, don't worry. This star is called Antares, which means the rival of Mars because of its orangish-reddish colour. It's an enormous red supergiant star, around 400 times the diameter of our own sun. If you placed it where our sun is, it would reach out through the solar system and engulf the Earth. It's a star coming to the end of its life. Antares is about 604 light-years away from the Earth. As a supergiant, it will eventually die as a supernova. However, it's so far away that this will have no effect on the Earth, although it will be a spectacularly bright sight. Unfortunately, that's probably going to happen long after any of our lifetimes. Antares is the heart of Scorpius, the scorpion in the sky, one of the few constellations that really looks like its name. If you have your star map with you, hold it up towards the west, with the west horizon at the bottom, as I described earlier, and locate the star Antares on your star map. Just below Antares, you'll see a short arc of stars, which represent the head and shoulders of the scorpion. Look back up through Antares, and above Antares, you should see a large back-to-front question mark of stars stretching up into the sky above Antares and reaching almost overhead. That's the tail of the scorpion. At the very end of his tail, you can see his sting quite clearly. Scorpius really does look like a scorpion. Let's move on. To the right, and above the sting of Scorpius, 
is the constellation Sagittarius. It's supposed to represent an archer, but I've never been able to see an archer when I look at this set of stars. All I can see is a rather triangular teapot. On your star map, Sagittarius is highlighted as the teapot. Can you see the teapot pouring tea all over the tail of Scorpius? Just off the tip of the teapot is an interesting point in the sky. If you're away from bright city lights and you've been outdoors for more than 15 minutes or so, you might have noticed the Milky Way galaxy stretching overhead. It's a band of faint milky light stretching from the Southern Cross over on your left, up past the two pointer stars, and then continuing to stretch over through the tail of Scorpius, and finally off to the northern horizon on your right-hand side. The centre of our Milky Way galaxy lies just below the tip of the teapot, not far from Scorpio's sting. It's a good thing we're out here near the edge of the Milky Way galaxy and a long way from its centre. At the centre of our galaxy, 27,000 light-years away, lies a very large black hole, several million times the mass of our sun. We're quite safe from it, out here on the edge of the galaxy. Let's turn to the right again and look to the north. Again, if you're using the star map, turn it so that north is at the bottom. There are a handful of bright stars in the northern sky and some fairly faint constellations. Let's begin by looking directly north, just 10 degrees or one fist width at arm's length above the northern horizon you should see a prominent star, probably twinkling wildly because it's so close to the horizon. This is the star Deneb in the constellation of Cygnus the Swan, or, as it's sometimes called, the Northern Cross. We'll come back to the constellation Cygnus in a moment. Just less than two handspans, or just less than 40 degrees, to the left of Deneb is another reasonably bright star, again, about a fist width or 10 degrees above the horizon. This second star is Vega, the fifth brightest star in the night sky. It's in the constellation of Lyra the Harp and lies just 25 light years away from us, quite close compared to most other stars you can see tonight. These two stars form the base of a triangle. Above them, about three handspans or 60 degrees off the horizon, you'll find the star Altair which is in the constellation of Aquila the Eagle. Altair may look slightly yellowish in colour. It's 17 light-years away and is about 10 times brighter than our sun, and it spins on its axis very quickly, about once every 10 hours. By comparison, our sun only spins once in 25 days. These three stars don't look particularly special to us in the Southern Hemisphere. In the Northern Hemisphere, however, they're known as the Summer Triangle. They're very high overhead and form a noticeable triangle from the Northern Hemisphere. If you ever travel there, have a look for the Summer Triangle made of the stars Deneb, Vega and Altair. Let's return to Deneb for a moment. Down by the Northern Horizon, due north, Deneb is a blue-white supergiant star over 100 times the diameter of our Sun. It really is a giant of a star. Deneb is about 3,000 light years away from us, but even at that extreme distance, it still appears as a bright star in the night sky. Most of the bright stars in the sky are not even half that distance from us, so this must be one very bright star. 
If it was the same distance from us as Vega, 25 light-years, it would cast shadows at night and be visible during the day. If we placed Deneb where the sun is, we would be incinerated by its intense ultraviolet light. As I said earlier, Deneb is in the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. If you have your star map aligned with the stars to the north, so with the northern horizon at the bottom, it will help you identify the swan. Its wings stretch down to the left and up to the right, and its long neck stretches out and up to the left. Altair, another one of the summer triangle stars, sits just above Cygnus in the constellation of Aquila the Eagle. The eagle also has its wings stretching out to the right and left, and its head pointing up and to the left. If you're at a dark site, you'll be able to see the Milky Way in this region, and you'll see that these two birds, the swan and the eagle, fly along the Milky Way heading south for the northern winter. Now we've looked at constellations and stars to the south, to the west, and to the north. We could turn to the east, but in October there aren't many bright stars, nor any truly distinctive constellations in that direction, so let's leave the eastern sky until next month. What are the special events and highlights in October 2014? Let me first note that all the times that I'm about to mention are in clock time, the time a clock would show, either Eastern Australian Standard Time or Eastern Australian Daylight Saving Time, as appropriate. Remember that Daylight Saving begins on Sunday the 5th of October at 2am. Put your clocks and watches forward by one hour. Let's start with the moon phases. We begin with first quarter on Thursday the 2nd of October at 5.32am. Full moon falls on Wednesday the 8th at 9.51pm. Last quarter is on Thursday 16th at 6.12am. New moon occurs on Friday the 24th of October at 8.57am. And finally, there is another first quarter moon on Friday the 31st of October at 1.48pm. This year in October, a total lunar eclipse occurs, the second for 2014. A lunar eclipse can only occur on a full moon night, so it will be on the evening of October the 8th. The whole of the eclipse is visible from the eastern seaboard, but from Perth, the moon rises while almost fully eclipsed. On the east coast, the eclipse begins at 7.15pm, shortly after sunset, but you may not notice any change in its appearance for the first hour. From 9.25pm, the moon is fully immersed in the Earth's shadow. This we call totality, and it lasts just on an hour until 10.25pm. The eclipse ends when the moon leaves Earth's shadow at 11.35pm, although, once again, the final parts are barely perceptible. Totality is the most interesting part of the eclipse, with the moon turning a reddish colour. Earth's atmosphere deflects sunlight into its own shadow and towards the moon. But it also scatters blue light out of the way. Only the orange and red colours make it to the moon. But just what hue we see from pale orange through to deep blood red is unpredictable. What colour will you see? 
What planets are visible in October 2014? Mercury, Saturn, Mars and Jupiter will be the planets to hunt for this month. Mercury begins the month low in the west after sunset in the constellation Virgo. It disappears into the twilight by the second week of the month. Saturn spends the month low in the west after sunset in the constellation Libra, down below the bright star Antares. See if you can spot its rings in your binoculars. Mars is also in the west during the evening, but high above Antares in the constellation of Fucus. Both Mars and Antares look red, but Antares glows red by its own light. The colour of Mars is due to sunlight reflecting off its red, sandy surface. An interesting event occurs near Mars on October the 20th. A comet called C-2013A1, or Siding Spring, passes close by the planet, within about 140,000 kilometres. That's closer than our moon is to the Earth. The A1 in the comet's name means it was the first comet discovered in 2013. And yes, it was discovered from Siding Spring Observatory in northern New South Wales. Although we will see nothing by eye from Earth, it will be a spectacular sight from Mars, it being such a close pass. Two Martian rovers and several orbiters, plus other spacecraft, will observe it. Hopefully they will snap some good photos and avoid being damaged by the dust particles from the comet. Look out for news from NASA and the European Space Agency about this close encounter. Getting back to the western evening sky. From the 25th to the 28th of October, the crescent moon passes by Saturn, then Antares, and finally Mars, making for some good photo opportunities. In the morning sky, to the northeast, you'll see mighty Jupiter shining bright and yellow. It moves from Cancer to Leo during the month. Use your binoculars to catch a glimpse of the dance of its four Galilean moons. The Orionids meteor shower is on again in October. The best viewing should be a few days either side of October the 21st. About 15 to 30 meteors per hour may be visible from late evening until dawn. With the moon near its new phase, the sky will be dark, so this is a good year to look for these meteors. Take a comfy cab chair to a dark site, settle in facing towards Orion in the northern sky, and enjoy a free celestial fireworks show. If you have enjoyed this podcast and think you might want to regularly check out what's in the night sky, why not purchase a copy of Sydney Observatory's book, The Australasian Sky Guide? It not only contains detailed monthly sky maps, but is jam-packed with astronomical information, including the rise and set times for the sun, the moon and planets, the tides, and a detailed look at our solar system and upcoming astronomical events. The 2015 Australasian Sky Guide will be available from November. Only 1695 from Sydney Observatory and the Powerhouse Museum shops, or you can purchase it online, for which additional costs apply. You can also subscribe for free to our Sydney Observatory Monthly Sky Guide podcasts through iTunes. For more astronomical information, check our website and blogs at www.sydneyobservatory.com.au. There, you can also find out about visiting Sydney Observatory to use our telescopes or visit our 3D Space Theatre or the Sydney Planetarium.
You may also like to explore our Facebook and Twitter accounts. See the Observatory website for links to these. This has been Andrew Jacob from Sydney Observatory with the podcast for October 2014.